And welcome into Tennis Channel Live. A potential shakeup in the race to London. And Coco Goff on the court with a couple of Hall of Famers. We'll tell you all about that as we welcome you into our studios here in Los Angeles. Steve Weissman, James Blake, and welcome to TC Live, Mark Knowles. Thanks for having me on the show, Steve. Great <laughs> to have you. It. Been working the early shift. It's like the first time seeing you all week. Been grinding. Hey, you know, somebody's got to put in the hard hours. That's <laughs> and you've been doing it, and you've been seeing Roger Federer get better and better throughout the week, looking to make now another final, 15th in Basel. Yeah, it's incredible how well he's played there. James just did the match, and, you know, he's very comfortable playing at home. He's one of those players that loves to play in front of his hometown fans. And that was a pretty comfortable match. He served very well. He protected serve behind the first serve and the second serve. And Tsitsipas, you know, is a dangerous guy. He's gone on record to say that the time is coming soon where they're going to replace. But Roger said... Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> and not yet on this court. This is Roger's court. I wouldn't be surprised in a few years if this is named the Roger Federer court or the, the arena, but it just really sets up perfectly for his game, for his aggressive game. He needed to, to have that first strike tennis that he does so often and, and take the racket out of Sitsi Pass's hand a little bit, force those longer strokes for Sitsi Pass to be playing defense. And he did such a good job here coming up with that much improved backhand passing shot. And he got the break, and it looked a little like Australia, where he was having trouble breaking. It took until his sixth break point opportunity to get that break in the first set, and then it was smooth sailing. He was doing, as you mentioned, taking such a good, taking such good care of his service points and service games that once he got that break, I mean, he's as good as anyone at front running, playing, uh, playing aggressive, continuing to put pressure on Tsitsipas, and then coming up with unbelievable hands volleys like that, a la Mark Knowles. He, uh, he, he was just playing so well and got the early break in the second set. No trouble whatsoever. And it seemed like smooth sailing. Did have a little bit of a hiccup, if you can call it that for Roger, that mini hiccup where he, he was down a break point uh, serving for the match at 5-4. But other than that, it was pretty flawless tennis from Roger Federer. And James, did you think that Roger was trying to be a little bit more aggressive knowing that Tsitsipas was probably going to try to take the initiative? Yeah, I think so. I think he, that had to be his game plan. And he spoke about the fact that he has always these new matches, new challenges, and that's what excites him. And to still have something to push forward at 38 years old when he's been in this, this final, is the 15th time. You know, he's had so many of these, these results already happen, but new challenges like that, figuring out what he needs to do to change a little bit to play against Tsitsipas. All right, take a look at the match summary between these two, and you can see the head-to-head 2-1 now, but if you include Hopman Cup at the beginning of the year, 3-1, and all those matches coming in 2019, Pass getting that massive win at the Australian Open, but then Roger coming back to win the final in Dubai, and then here in Basel, 13th straight appearance in the final, 15th overall for Roger Federer, and Nolsey, when you think about Roger Federer getting his 50th win now of the season, He's 38 years old, and he's got 50 wins now for the 16th time in his career. Well, he continues to defy the odds. I mean, uh, you know, me personally, I kind of discounted him maybe a couple years ago, and then he had this incredible resurgence when he came back and won a couple slams. And, you know, I'm done prognosticating. <laughs> like, he's 38 now. He's continuing to play so well. And I think James brought up a great point, is that he loves it, right? He finds a new challenge every week. He's also one of those guys, as James knows, that loves the locker room. He actually loves being around, loves being a tennis player. So there's more to it than just hitting balls. He loves the atmosphere. He's been able to integrate his family as well. So 
who knows how long he's going to be around, but <laughs> it's better for all of us. <laughs> it is great as a tennis fan, and I did the same a couple of years ago. I feel like so many people wrote him off and said, okay, now he's on the downslide. It's going to be maybe one little farewell tour, and he's gone, but he's proven this is a lot more than a farewell tour. Is one point away from adding another slam to his uh, to his trophy case uh, again this year, and who's to say he can't next year? He, I mean, he was so close this year, and he's still playing so well, especially on these faster courts, which Australia and Wimbledon will still be, so he still has this opportunity. At 38 years old, I I agree. I'm, I'm done picking against him. Still looking for records, still looking for some firsts as well. Now 40 match wins behind Jimmy Connors for the all-time record in terms of match wins. But how much do you think winning a 10th title in Basel, the tournament that he grew up as a ball boy going to, would mean to Roger Federer? I think it means so much playing at home. A lot of people struggle with the pressure of playing at home. You got more uh, requests, you got more media requests, you got more friends there, more family, and just the pressure. It seems like it just rolls off his back. He doesn't worry about that. And then he enjoys it. He takes the ball kids out for pizza afterwards. I think to be able to play in an event where you grew up as a fan, it, it just it vindicates everything you've sacrificed in your career. So I think for him, it still means a lot. Yeah, he's such a unique person. He's one of those guys, no matter how much he's achieved, he's still so humble, right? He remembers being a ball kid at that event. As James mentioned, takes the ball kids out for pizza every time. So, you know, he just really immerses himself in these events. He loves being out there. And, hey, everybody loves winning, right, James? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he keeps making money, too, and a whole lot of it. It will be another first for Roger Federer in the final. Has never played either Riley Opelka or Alex Dimonor. The two of them meeting off in the other semifinal in Basel. There's a big American at a career-high 31 in the world. Actually, meeting Demonor for the fourth time this year has never beaten the Aussie. There hasn't been an Aussie in the final in this event since 1997. And this one would go three sets, all of them tie breaks. Oh, this was an incredible match. And it's been a tough matchup for Riley Opelka because of the returns that Demonor has. He has great reflexes, a nice reflex there to close out that first set tie break. But what I've liked about Riley Opelka, especially this week, is that he's fought back. When things haven't necessarily gone his way, he's hung around. He's played very well in the latter stages of sets, and he did an excellent job here in the second set tiebreak, and that was the key. He had two beautiful backhands like that, on the run, strong left hand, where he flicked them cross court, and they were very effective. So we go to a third set, and a third set tiebreak. You mentioned this in the broadcast, Nolsey, 15th all tiebreak match of the year. Four of them, Riley's been a part of. Yeah, two of them were obviously against Isner, which you would expect, but Demonor showed great energy right from the first point. I believe in the first six points, he had five fist pumps after the point, knowing the intensity. Look at that intensity right there. Reminds you of Leighton Hewitt so much, and what a big win once again for Demonor. And by the way, zero unforced errors in the second and third set. That's incredible. So Alex Demonor, the first Aussie in the Basel final since Mark Philippoussis two decades ago, will try to end Roger Federer's quest for 10 in his home country. Some takeaways from this second match, Demonor and Opelka. First up, Riley Opelka was offered the special exempt to get into the Paris Masters next week. Turn that down. What do you make of that decision? Well, you know, James and I were actually discussing it. It's an interesting decision. I think uh, something I was telling James, I've never been seven feet tall. So I think managing the body is very important. He's already played four weeks. On the flip side of that, he's playing excellent tennis, big serve, indoors, Masters series. You think, okay, maybe he should have played. But I think what he's doing is probably the right thing. He's thinking about body first. He's now going to be up to 31 in the world. And another thing is he's got Davis Cup in a couple mm -hmm. weeks. It'd be one thing if he could shut it down after Paris and kind of force one more week out of his body. 
but the fact that he has to come back in a couple of weeks for Davis Cup probably the right probably the right choice. Yeah, we were talking about. It. I think we kind of came to the same conclusion that it, it is the mature decision. Listening to your coach Jay Berger, I was talking to him about this that that they just decided five weeks in a row on that big body could could put him in jeopardy of getting injured. You don't want him getting injured before Davis Cup and then forcing it, trying to play Davis Cup a little bit injured and then go into next year a little bit injured because he, he's building on so much uh, momentum right now that you go into the offseason, go to Davis Cup, and then the offseason, hopefully getting ready for even another big push forward next year. He's already earned to probably be seated at, at Australia, so that's a big uh, weight off his shoulders. I like his, uh, I like his path right now. And one other thing, we were lucky enough to have him on a phone interview the other day, and he actually said he doesn't set any ranking goals. So maybe even more so, he's just thinking about improving his game. He played well. You know, we're thinking, hey, points, you could go there, <laughs> Masters 1000, you can move up even further. But maybe he's thinking, you know what, keep the body in check, build on this going into next year. Real quick, before we go, that's the matchup, Alex Demonor and Roger Federer. Demonor 7-0 in semifinals and finals in 2019. Biggest thing he needs to do to beat Roger Federer. Not let Roger get comfortable and taking that first ball and attacking. Demonar uses his legs so well and plays defense, but he can't be playing defense all day against Roger Federer. All right. We'll see if it happens. Can he get to 8-0 or will Roger get number 10? We've got you covered right here on Tennis Channel. Still much more to come here on TC Live. The finals are set in Zhuhai. Why Arena Sabalenka may have the edge and see how Dominic team join the big three in a very big way. Blake Knowles Weissman back on TC Live. Chase for the championships in Zhuhai. Semifinals, Kiki Burton's taking on Zhang Sai Sai. Burton's didn't lose a set in round robin play, but was down a set and a break today before she won nine of 11. Yeah, quite an effort for Kiki Burton's. You know, she was just one out of making the, the finals uh, as well, and she's still going to be there as an alternate, but she's got business to take care of here. She's going to be in the finals here with excellent play here. Some serving volley tennis. You don't see that very often out of Kiki Burton's, but you might see it more if she's got hands like that. She's a really, uh, really impressive performance. Zhang uh, Sai Sai puts you in difficult positions, tries to take the racket out of your hand, tries to make you have to come up with something special, and Kiki Burton's does. The top seed moving on to the finals in Zhuhai as match point for Kiki Burton's. She's the alternate at the WTA finals, but looking to get a title at the elite Zhuhai. And the Burton's moving on to the championship match. Who would she play? Carolina Mukaba against Arena Sabalenka. Sabalenka was down a break in both sets. Undaunted. Yeah, Savalenka did a great job of fighting back. Mukova put up a lot of resistance. Look at the hands here from Mukova. Excellent shot. She was making Zavalenka work really hard. Savalenka got through that tough match yesterday against her doubles partner, Mertens, and she was up for the challenge. Great hustle there. Finish at the net. She was down 5-3. That was a vital break back to get back on serve. A little frustration there from Mukova, knowing that she's had some opportunities in both sets, as you mentioned, Steve. It's been a great year for Mukova, but it would come to an end in this match as Arena Sabalenka loves to play in China. 15 and 2 this year with two titles, including one in Wuhan. So Sabalenka gets to the final against Kiki Burton, 7-5, 7-6. So, looking at the UTR, breaking down this matchup, five one head-to-head -head Burtons, including two and one this year, but UTR says go Sabalenka. 
Yeah, I think I'm going to side with UTR. I think Burton's is, I think she's tightened up a little bit. James mentioned she's one out from the WTA finals. Her results in the fall, I think, fell a little bit short. I think she was thinking a lot about trying to qualify for the WTA finals. I think Zabalenka maybe has too much firepower. The court's playing a little bit fast. I'm going to go with Zabalenka. What do you think? I'm going with Mark, too. All right. I'm going with the UTR. I think Zabalenka can overpower. All right. Sabalenka over Burton. All in. We, we will <laughs> we'll see it. UTR. Come on, UTR. Early in the morning here on Tennis Channel. Speaking of matches on Tennis Channel, the WTA finals start on Sunday. Looking forward to that. The red group and the purple group, our first matches featuring Naomi Osaka and Petra Kvitova, rematch from the Australian Open final. And then Ash Barty takes on Belinda Bencic on Sunday as well. First meeting between those two. The red, why red and purple, Nolsey? Well, red represents the Chinese nation, honesty, passion. Purple represents the WTA, nobility, elegance. Oh, it seems like James and Mark. <laughs> <laughs> passion and elegance? <laughs> or, or, or who's the noble one? Yeah, so obviously always James, right? Okay. But He's always learning something, Steve. Got these nuggets. Love the nuggets. Uh, who, who do we think comes out in the WTA finals? That's probably a really good question. I'm going to let James <laughs> predict who's going to win that one, but I do know we're going to have some fantastic matches. That's yeah. what we love about the finals, the championships. You have the eight best players in the world, and really it's anybody's title. Obviously, Andrescu has a lot of momentum, yeah. but I think Osaka's playing really well. It's going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah, predicting any WTA event is a full Aaron this year, but uh, I'm going to go with Belinda Bencic as someone to look out for because she came in with a lot of momentum. She wasn't sure if she was going to make it, and so when you don't have that that uh, knowing that you're going to be in and you're getting in with the momentum, winning a title, I think she could be dangerous. Absolutely. She's more top 10 wins than any player in the WTA this year. So who is she playing? Well, she's playing the top eight. So those are players she's beaten this season. We'll see if she can get it done. Our coverage, once again, starts on Sunday. Meantime, the road to London. The race is still going on, and a lot of that happening in Vienna as Galmol face with a win at this event could move in to that eighth spot, taking on Diego Schwartzman, the Argentine, 14th in the race as well. Yeah, both players still alive for London, and it was Schwartzman who came out firing on all cylinders, finishing at the net there. Good skill with the backhand volley. To be honest, I thought Monfils was a little sluggish to start. He's been a little bit in and out all week. I thought we would see a little bit more from him in this semifinal, but Schwartzman has looked extremely comfortable all week. I think he really enjoys the surface in Vienna. He's got a great mix of aggression and steadiness, and right there, a beautiful inside-in forehand. It was really one-way traffic, a little bit surprising, but full credit to Diego Schwartzman. Has his career best, now 39 wins in 2019 for Diego as he moves on to the final for the first time in Vienna. Who would he battle? Matteo Berrettini has that eighth spot right now, but he's on the outside looking in in this photograph. I mean, talk about hometown advantage. What? <laughs> Get out of here, Matteo. <laughs> Did not bother him at all in this first set, though. Look at the movement. He's known for the big serve, big forehand, but shows a little bit of feel right there and the movement. Wins that first set, had been 28, had won 28 matches in a row after winning the first set. The team didn't care about those numbers. He got the crowd into it, he saw so much emotion. Feeding off of them, and this was just excellent tennis right here. 
Dominic team really got it going in the second set, and then in the third set, it seemed like he ramped up even more, just attacking every chance he got, absolutely clocking balls, hitting winners. This forehand that he hits here, a winner at 100 miles an hour, that is just massive. And he, had, he needed all of it to get past surging Matteo Berrettini. I sure am glad that James did that highlight because he's the only one that knows anything about hitting 100 mile an hour forehands. But his went in. I don't know anything about that. And he talked about the atmosphere here. Said I've never experienced such a loud atmosphere. This crowd was going nuts for Dominic Team. Said it was a dream from the first time I came here when I was five or six to be there on Sunday. It's his tenth appearance in Vienna, and he's in the championship against Diego Schwartzman. Who do you got? I got Dominic Team. I thought it was a terrific match. I know Schwartzman has played him well, beat him in Buenos Aires earlier this year, but I thought the crowd right from the first ball in that semifinal match was behind Dominic Team. They know how much it means to him to try to secure this title. Yeah, I think they're going to urge him on as well. Schwartzman seems to have a, he seems to be a crowd favorite everywhere he goes. We appreciate that heart, respect the effort that he puts in, but I think they're going to be pulling for Dominic Team, and I think it's going to push him over the edge. Dominic Team 8-0 in Austria this year. He won Kitzbühel Field earlier this season. When we come back on TC Live, head of USDA player development Martin Blackman joins us. Find out how America is looking to develop the next Coco Golf. USDA National Campus in Lake Nona, Florida. 100 fully lit courts, 25 different programs offered on campus. The best training facilities for the current and future U.S. tennis stars. Chanda Rubin, Steve Weissman joined by the general manager of player development for the USDA, Martin Blackman from Lake Nona, Florida. Martin, thanks so much for joining us here on Tennis Channel Live. We're three months away from uh, the start of the new season, the Australian Open, but these next three weeks here in the United States, uh, very important for that. The Australian Open Wildcard Challenge started this week for the women, starts next week for the men. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so, you know, we had an opportunity to do a trade with Tennis Australia. So they gave us one wild card and we give them one, both on the men's and the women's side. And it creates a great opportunity for players to earn a wild card into the Australian Open in that last fall swing. Um, so, you know, the cuts are usually around 105 to 110. And for those American players that are between 110 and 200, it's an unbelievable opportunity to play anywhere in the world and have that highest point earner earn that wild card. So uh, we think it's great. It creates competition, creates a little bit of pressure, but it creates some incredible opportunities. Well, Martin, speaking of American players and opportunities, Coco Golf, the 15-year-old who's put together an incredible run over the last four months, how has she and her accomplishments changed the landscape of American tennis? Yeah, well, I mean, look, what Coco has done is just amazing. I think there's two parts to it. One is that girls all over the country are going to be able to look at her and identify with her. Um, look at how poised she is. Look at how kind of put together she is and kind of understand that tennis is a sport that teaches great values and kind of gives people the opportunity to mature the way Coco is. But it's also a sport that gives great opportunities. So I think it's going to bring thousands of girls into the sport. But at the same time, it's going to create some really healthy competition among our, our higher ranked pros. 
Well, there are so many different ways that players develop. Some players have their own support team. Some are developed by their parents. You know, how does the USTA go about finding and helping to develop more players like Coco Golf, especially on the men's side? One of the things we have to realize is that every player is unique. And in many cases, that player is being developed by their private coach at home. Um, who's spending the weekends at the tournaments and mentoring them. And in some cases, uh, that player is being developed by their parent. So when they get to the age of 14, 15, and development and travel begins to get more expensive, that's when we as a federation can step in and just have a dialogue with them and say, hey, how can we help you? Um, it may not be direct coaching. It may be supplemental. But there's so many different ways that we can partner with those players and their teams uh, to make sure that they maximize their potential. Uh, Martin, coming up in December, we've got this American Showcase in Lake Nona. What is that all about? Yeah, that's a great event that comes right at the end of preseason. Uh, Chanda knows what preseason entails. It's five to six weeks of really intense training um, that ends with a lot of match play before players go down to Australia in the warm-up tournaments. So what we try to do in that last week is to create some pressure and some really competitive uh, situations um, to give those players a little bit of taste of competition before they go and play those warm-up tournaments. All right, looking forward to broadcasting that right here on Tennis Channel, December 13th and 14th. Martin, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to join us today on Tennis Channel Live. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Appreciate it. All right, much more still to come. Our rocket shot of the day goes to who? Find out next. Welcome back to TC Live. Got a gear-related question for our experts. Our friends at Tennis Warehouse want to help. Tweet us using the hashtag AskTheTCExpert, and we will answer them on Tennis Channel Live next week. Time now for our rocket shot of the day. Who gets it? A lot of good shots on semifinal Saturday, but we're looking at Riley Opelka and Alex Dimonor. Yeah, this was pretty spectacular. Look at Opelka comes forward, crushes it right at Dimonor, and a quick reflex lob there, and a little point of the finger, James. Yeah, that was, I mean, a stick save and a beauty, right? That's just self-preservation. <laughs> Riley Opelka maybe thinking Dimonor is gonna guess one way or the other, so just go right up the middle, and he stays at home. And uses his unbelievable reflexes for the rocket shot of the day. And point 0.5 of a second to react, by the way, to Opelka's serve. That's what the numbers point five. Point 0.5. That's but quick. Not fun. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the launch of the Oracle Pro Series happened last night in Dallas, in your hometown. Yep. And they had Coco Golf on hand, playing in an exhibition with Christina McHale, Jim Courier, and Andy Roddick. Yeah, it was a real special night to get for these fans to have Coco Goff out there, it was at the SMU complex. Coco Goff played a little singles against Christina McHale, Courier against Roddick, and then they also had some mixed doubles as well. And they also had the big man, Dirk Nowitzki, in attendance. He called me yesterday and said he was looking forward to seeing the young sensation. Those are the types of people that are coming out to watch her play. You get Dirk out there on the court and still play. Ankles a little banged up. All right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Our featured matches beginning at 1 a.m. Eastern in Zhuhai. Alex Dimonor playing in his sixth career final. Roger Federer playing in his sixth final this year. <laughs> Put that in perspective, 157 overall for Roger.
Got some good matches. All the stars are out on Championship Sunday. Who will win in Zhuhai? We start the WTA Finals as well and some big stuff in Vienna and Basel. For James Blake, Mark Knowles, Russ Thaler, our entire Tennis Channel team, I'm Steve Weissman. Thanks for watching TC Live.